episode of the Good Dude Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Thomas, and this week I interviewed Greg Favaza, Father Greg Favaza, at St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Orlando, Florida. Also, let me apologize for the quality of this interview. This was my first Skype interview, and I didn't realize I probably should have been wearing my headset, so my voice may sound kind of garbled. Sorry. Live and learn. Do you prefer Father, Padre, His Holiness, any of those? I get called by many, many names. Uh, like the preschool calls me like Papa Favazio. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I, I'm weird because I'm a, I'm an ex-military guy, so I'm really big with titles for everybody else but myself. Ah, yeah. I'm no, big I... on like on like giving people their titles, or normally I'll chop it up. Like, right, so we have Deacon Carter here. I always call him Deke or Deekster or Deke Nation or something like that. Whatever I'm feeling that day. So, right for the sake of this, please call me Greg. Like that'll yes. that'll work just fine. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to have you on the show. My family's known you for a while now, and obviously we we attend your your church, and we've been very welcome since we've come to Orlando. We didn't know anybody. We literally looked up the church on google like google maps we were we were in an apartment over in metro west and we're like where is the nearest episcopal church sure and we're like that one doesn't have a website that one doesn't have any pictures <laughs> like okay this one looks normal website does a lot when you're doing a little search it's yeah it's huge. It yeah. huge it really was and so we we're like okay we'll give it a shot and and we got to meet and what's funny is that was father rick's first first was service. it yeah it was the oh. there so and then Ashley's my wife is very involved in stuff, so she's around a lot. Got to know you, and and this was this was before you actually got the collar, which the was plastic. You know, it's so, in my pocket right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so all that to be said that um, I think your story is very interesting. Um, I, I think it's very relatable, and I think your path is one. It's very admirable. But it also, it, it's an interesting choice in today's mm. society. I mean, there's not a lot of guys lining up to be priests. I mean, straight up, it's just just not that common anymore. So I would love to hear, you know, kind of your background, where you come from, what helped you along in that thought process, things you did before versus the things you do now, those kinds of stuff. Sure. Okay. Um, well, <clears throat> born in New York, raised in New Jersey to an up north kind of typical Italian family in the 1980s, you know, which meant you ate the same food every Friday. Friday was pizza. On Sunday, you had what we called macaroni. Now, I don't mean craft macaroni and cheese. Macaroni was like this general term, this umbrella term for any type of pasta. And so I grew up Roman Catholic. And so depending on the time in our family life, there was maybe a, like a, a heated point of devotion where like we were going to church every Sunday. But most of the time it was like a Christian, uh, excuse me, a Christmas and Easter type of deal. Around 13 years old, my parents were having a kind of divorce. And um, and so I, I had a, a spiritual experience, we'll say. And so um, after that, early on in my early teenage years, I had a sense like I had some sort of a quote unquote calling uh, to some form of pastoral ministry. I didn't know exactly what that was, but I had a sense. And that's the only way I can actually explain it. And I would say the community that I was with uh, at the time had that same kind of sense about me, even though it was a really young kid. 
However, from the age of 15 all the way up to my late 20s, I really kind of walked away from a conscious relationship with Jesus. And during those years, uh, I got into some trouble. I got into some things that I'm not particularly too proud of, but that was my journey at the time. And ultimately, that led me into going into the military. I went into the military so that I could maybe try to fix my life. Yeah. Because in the trajectory where I was going, you know, it wasn't really going to end well. And so, you know, at 18, I swore in on my 18th birthday. I was in you know, the processing station, and I was gone within a month. Now you're a Navy so, guy. I was a Navy guy, yeah. I was in, uh, in aviation. I was an enlisted guy, but mm -hmm. I flew in the back of H-60s. And I yep. did that for about nine and a half years. Mm -hmm. And so... Those I mean, helicopters, by the way, for those... Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was technical. Those are <laughs> helicopters. So, like, your, your equivalent of, like, your Blackhawk, yeah. you know, the Navy, which is some other, you know, electronic box in it. I mean, I had the discipline in the service, but I did crazier stuff in the service than I did before. I totally believe it. You know what I... So, you know, you work hard, play hard, you know, was kind of the expression... And, you know, when we blew off steam, we definitely did so. So it wasn't until I got out of the service. Is actually, I'd gotten married in, in April of 2008. And very shortly after, I, in a different type of church context, you would use the kind of language of, you know, kind of redevoting your life or rededicating your life or getting serious about your, your spiritual journey with Jesus. And I did so. And that sense of calling whatever that was, came back really quickly, almost immediately. It was almost like I picked up where I left off like 14 years earlier. It's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience. And so probably from 2008 to 2011, that sense of calling was just kind of brewing, you know, almost like um, it was just kind of steeping. And I explored it in a couple of different ways. Um until ultimately I made a decision to go to seminary school, and that's what brought me to Orlando. So I, I was an ex-Navy guy, so I had benefits, right? right. VA yeah. benefits. My two kids at the time, uh, Alex, my firstborn, was now eight years old. Uh, he was um, two. And my youngest son, uh, excuse me, my middle son now, who's six, he was six weeks old. So oh, wow. I left my job. Uh, I, we left our city, we left everything, and we we moved. We came to Orlando. So um, where were you before? Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, in Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah, I was in Jacksonville. I got, got out of the service. I got into uh, like security management right. type stuff. That's what I was doing for a living. So I left all that, left everything, and we we came to Orlando to go to school. And so you know, my journey, interestingly, I wasn't always a Episcopalian. Uh, I've traveled all different types of church traditions. So I've seen mega churches, Pentecostal churches, small churches, Methodist churches, all different types. I've, I've kind of ran the gamut. And I found what we call like the Anglican way or the Episcopal way while I was at school in at, at Asbury Theological Seminary here in Orlando. They had, had like a group of Episcopal students that were praying together. And I'm like, who are these people? So there's not like a seminary for... The church specifically? There um, is. So so in the in the Episcopal Church, they have, well, we'll say it this way. Most denominations that have been around for a while probably still have schools that are they're affiliated with. So, like, the Episcopal Church has 
I think maybe seven or eight Episcopal seminaries, um, but you don't have to technically go to an Episcopal seminary or at a school that to get your training and your formation per se at one of those. Cause I, dude, I've only been, in, I've been an Episcopalian like technically only two years. <laughs> I've been a priest, not even a year. Right. But I, dude, I got, I mean, I got received into the Episcopal church in like June, 2016. That's I great. got ordained to the priesthood in March. So like, I used to call myself a closet Anglican. Like I had like a book of common prayer and I was doing my thing. But I technically on the books, you know, yeah. was Episcopalian. So that's really interesting. I guess I just assumed yeah. that like Methodist preachers would go to this they school. They go there, right? Preachers go to that school, and yeah, you know, did, like this, did that. But that's really interesting that you actually had a mix of yeah of other denominations that you were going through training with. Was that yeah. ever like a an issue? I mean, was there like a point of contention? I mean, I know Christian faith is Christian faith, but sure. there's still some pretty pretty hardcore yeah. feuds going on yeah no that's a good question you know i would say um yeah there's a lot of feuds this is what i'll say about so our diocese right so we're in the diocese of central florida all right and so you know the, your the bishop and his office and his people and his staff they're here in, in in orlando right you know not but 10 minutes away this particular diocese is pretty good about recruiting and so for them it's more of do they see the call of God on this person, this this man or this woman, and all the Anglican stuff or the Episcopal stuff, you know, we can teach them. You know, obviously they're attracted to this <laughs> way of living out the gospel life. There's a there's there's the gifts of the Episcopal Church that they're you know they're particularly drawn to. So we can teach them about all that stuff. And so they've got. I went through a studies program about four classes after I was already done with my seminary education to kind of ingrain in me some of the Episcopal emphasis and, and the distinctives. What a people that were, who went to a Baptist seminary, who was a Methodist at one time, all these converts. Right. So it's pretty common. The Episcopal church has a way of attracting people from all different types of backgrounds. Oh, for sure. Um, and so for me personally, I found my home here. Mm -hmm. And I would say, ultimately, you know, you said about you know, making a choice um, about becoming a priest. I think the only choice that I would have is just my choice to respond. That's something that God was doing in me and in the people that I was around. And it was me saying yes to something. And it took me, dude, Joe, it took me a long time to really to say a concrete yes Oh, I can so even though I went to seminary school, like there's always, there's wow. always like I'm ready to run out of here as soon as something goes wrong. And I would, I played tug of war with God for years, and so it wasn't until I came here to St. Michael's, and I, that I finally said, okay, I, I give up, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, and you know, kind of went through the process and doing it here was amazing because when I got ordained here in March, it was like a family event. I remember it was, yeah. uh, it was a really cool thing. Everybody was very excited. And, yeah. and I, I remember being very, very excited for you. I didn't even know you really that well at the time, just the whole, the whole thought of the journey, you know, I'm a military man and you, you've yeah. got the background. So the, the structure and the requirements and the difficulty and discipline to be a minister of any kind yeah. has always appealed to me. I've, I've always appreciated 
you've got to work hard. You've got to, you've got to go through this and you've got to remain disciplined. And, and so that I think has always been very interesting. So in your position now, so you are a priest, correct? That's your second term. I'm probably going to call you Padre from now on. Cause I think you can call me Padre, man. That's super funny. I, call, I got a buddy. His name's Jose. I call him Padre. He's a priest. <laughs> I call him Padre. Oh yeah, totally. I think it's great. So now you're a priest at St. Michael. So what's next? Do do you get transferred? Is is that something that you seek out, or how does that that's, work? Yeah, that's a good question. And so the Episcopal Church is it's it's interesting because it's pretty it's pretty flexible with with things. And so I'll tell you how it how it normally goes. If you have if you have a church that can have a place for someone who's, I'm not particularly young. I'm not a young person. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 38 February. So it's not like I'm like fresh out of seminary. I'm 20 something years old. And, um, but if they have a place for a young priest in the sense of someone who's inexperienced, if you will, to be an assistant, they have different names, associate, assistant, what have you. Normally you would stay in that position for a period of years. And then eventually you would um, find a place where you could be what we would call rector, which is or a senior pastor would be a, some other language, similar language. My situation is a little different. And the reason why is because I came to St. Michael's and I was on staff as an admin person and kind of the whole idea. And this was something that our rector, Rick, Father Rick, prayerfully considered that and he sensed that if i were to be ordained if everything would go well the language uses god willing and the church consenting you get ordained i can't even tell you how many times we said that over a period, a period of a year and a half <laughs> then i'll bring you on as my assistant and so it was kind of like the plan this is what god wants that i would i would come here to saint michael's so I've been getting asked a lot a similar question like, are you going to leave? Are you, you know, going to get your own church? And and um, I think a lot of that it's endearing because I think for the people that are asking me are like, you're not going to leave us, are you? And that that really warms my heart because obviously it makes me feel loved and accepted. I actually real quick, one of the kids in the youth group on the day of my ordination. He was one of the ones that read one of the, the readings. He read a New Testament reading. I'll leave his, his, his name unnamed. He went to the bishop, dude. He walked outside while I was talking to him, and he says, you're not going to take away Greg, are you? He said it to the bishop. <laughs> so he, he says, goes, I mean, he went to the man that ultimately <laughs> made the decision. I mean, yeah. he, dude, he's like in sixth grade. Yeah. And uh, he said, because if you do, I'm gonna just going to go find him and bring him back here. And so – we laughed and, and I, you know, I looked at him, I said, I'm not going anywhere. And, and the bishop said the same thing. And so to make a, it's a giving a long answer to probably a question that, you know, was asking something short. I feel called here, Joe. I feel called here. I feel that there's a lot of work to be done first in my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there's a lot of growing, I think, that needs to take place in my own soul as a person and as a follower of Jesus, like everybody else. And there's so much stuff I need to learn. And um, Rick, Father Rick, I've had, I've been blessed with some great leaders. I had good leaders in the service, man. I've had great managers. I've worked with some great people, both in the church world and out. And he is the best. 
he is fantastic. He is the most attentive human being I've ever worked for. Like he cares for this church. He cares for the staff. Um, he is by far just, he's just amazing. And so to learn from him is an absolute gift. And I almost feel like I will have a responsibility definitely in the future of replicating the things that I have learned. I want to hang out in that dude's pocket for as long as I can. I got to be, that's what I tell people. I'm like, I'm a baby priest and I'm hanging on to my daddy's finger across the street for as long as I can. And so, you know, when I, when I think about next steps, it's just really, it's really more in the context of St. Michael's and you know, man, I ultimately, I will follow what Jesus calling is like, if he's saying, all right, it's time to move out. Um, I'll probably go kicking and screaming. Um, and, uh, and I will, I will definitely obey that. But for me, it's, it's here. Um, it's living out, living out the priesthood here. And dude, I can't tell you, I love this place, man. Like I love this place. I love these people. It's a gift. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay as long as I can. No, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and I uh, certainly wasn't trying to get rid of you by any stretch. No, you're trying to get rid of me. <laughs> For most people, we have a job, we do the yeah. job, you go home, you either are doing the job because you went to school for that, or sure. this is what your parents did, and so it's a good, you know, it's a good business decision to do that as well. And it's it's always inspiring to me to find people who are doing their calling, whatever that calling may be. If you were yes. called to be a construction worker, yep. nothing wrong with that. If that's what you do and that's who you are, yep. then, then, then do that. And it's funny because so like this generation, the millennials and, and, yep. and lower are constantly posting and talking about, you know, I want to find my passion. I want to find my passion and all these things. So few people actually take the effort to do that and to, to live that way. I have another friend who's a youth minister in uh, Winter Park and, oh. and, and he reminds me very much of you in that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That you're you're right where you're supposed to be now. Like you said, maybe in five years you're supposed to be doing something else. Sure. But it's really cool and inspiring to be around people who are right where they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, like Rick, Father Rick is is what the church needs. He's right. what the people need here. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's that's fantastic. It's really cool to be around you guys because you guys play off each other so well. Yeah. And and, uh, and then you throw in the deacon and he's he's so funny to me. All of you guys working together, it's like you hit all the all the different all the different angles. Yeah, it's like you're coming in from all different ways, and you know everybody gets a little piece of whatever that they feel most comfortable with. So yeah. it yeah. creates a great atmosphere for learning and for acceptance and understanding, and and I think that's really kind of the goal. So it's fun to see you guys develop as as a team. I would say I don't know if that's the technical term, but uh, yes, yeah, that's that's the term we use, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's very inspiring. So Well thank, thank you for that feedback, man, because <laughs> that's really encouraging and I will I'll pass that along because when you you tell a typical Sunday, right? There's so much that goes on behind the scenes on a daily basis mm-hmm. of the life of a priest or a pastor. It's a it's a life of, of interruption and it was a life that Jesus lived. Um ultimately. Um is setting setting aside your agenda for the other person and, and it's you're talking about discipline before and striking a balance on how how do you live out this life as a pastor, as a priest, especially if you 
have a family, mm-hmm. a spouse, and uh, if you have kids and what kind of kids and how old they are. And, you know, it, it's it's a little bit of a – there's a tension there. But especially when you go out on a Sunday and you go in after you've, you've prayed and you've prepared and you've sought God to give a word – so that there is something to be said to the people. It's very pretentious to preach, man, because you, yeah. like, you think like I have something to say to you people. Like I have nothing to say. I'm not that interesting. I'm not that special. So here I am. I have 15 to 18 minutes. If I want to push it to 20, everyone's going to sleep. That I'm going to talk. And I and there's there's something there's like an almost an audacity about it that something I have to say is going to maybe invite someone into a new way of living invite someone into life with god or 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 jesus is going to become real to someone in a new way or whatever you you prepare and you just do it and you don't know what's happening you never know like people will come some people will come to you give you feedback but sometimes it's few and far between and so you're like all right you just there's this this thing you have to trust you have to trust that even if someone picks up something that I didn't even technically say, they heard something I technically didn't say, but it changed their life or whatever. Um, so to hear a little bit of feedback is really helpful, man. Because to, to do that is is I've done public speaking, man. I was in the service. I've been speaking in front of people all the time. To do preaching on a Sunday, man, is a totally different ball. It's like so different, man. I, I, I can't even imagine. I, <laughs> I mean, you guys handle it so well, it, it, yeah. it make it look easy. You're very comfortable, you know, right. obviously you're very comfortable speaking, and, yeah. and that's, I think, a huge part of it. I think the way you guys prepare is interesting to me, and we always kind of joke, my wife and I will sit there and, and listen, and we always watch you guys to see, okay, did they know he was going to say that before he said it? Because sometimes you're a little surprised, or, or <laughs> you, know, you guys are, like, legitimately cracking up, and, you know, right. and laughing up there, and uh, we're like, he didn't tell him he was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we always get a big kick out of that, but... It, uh, we could go that direction all day. I could talk about how you guys prepare. I think that's super interesting. But I think a little bit more interesting to me is the fact that you were an adult with a family Yeah. when you entered into this lifestyle. So how has your family adjusted? Because, I mean, I imagine it's a, it's a significant change. I mean, you don't work eight to five. You know, like when I leave here, I mean, I'll get a call or an email or whatever, a contractor or sure. somebody will say, hey, I got a project issue. And occasionally I'll have to work it. But pretty much when I go home, I'm at home. Yeah. Um, you don't really get that opportunity, I would imagine. It's a good, you know, this is the one of the biggest conversations, uh, you know, in pastoral leadership and in the priest's life or what have you for years now. Because the statistics, which I can't give you, are just staggering on how many people get, quote unquote, burnt out and wind up leaving the ministry prayerfully it's it's peacefully in a sense of i can't do this anymore a lot of times it's because there's some sort of moral failure whether it's normally it's a sexual situation it's a substance abuse um or it's some sort of financial thing who's stealing money who got caught you know in someone else's bed or something like that because the stress is very weighty i can imagine so it's uh, because you know it's it's very you're dealing ultimately you're dealing with people and so and so it's it's emotionally draining and you're dealing with people that put they project I did the same thing like I have a particular understanding of what a pastor or priest should be or not be 
based on whatever my upbringing, you know, what I grew, what I've saw on TV, you know, my friends, you know, situations, leaders that I've had, you know, stuff like that. And I, and I projected onto this person. Let's say you have 200 people in a congregation. That's 200 different ideas and expectations oh, yeah. of what you're supposed to be, say, and do for me or for us. And so you can easily fall into that. And what happens is, you know, your eight to five goes from eight to eight or eight to nine or eight to ten. And you wind up never seeing your family and your children don't know who you are. And one of my greatest fears is that I would get to the end of my life and my sons would look at me if I get that far and, and wonder who I was as a human being. Uh, is one of it is my fear that they won't know me, or they'll question my character. Like who was this guy? Because we never saw him. And so you have to be extremely meticulous and disciplined about cutting time away. For, number one for yourself. So for me, my rhythm of life, if you will, is Monday is my Sabbath. That's my day of rest where I stop, I cease from work, I rest, I contemplate God. And I need a, a, for me, I need some time alone in that. Mm-hmm. And then I need to focus then on being there for my wife and my three kids. Fridays, if you're preaching, and this is something that Father Rick did, you don't do office hours. You go and you work on your sermon. Your sermon is really, really important. It's extremely important. It's not something like an afterthought. So, you know, you have to put your time in. So you yeah. work, but you can't work in the office, man, because if, if you're going to get knocks on the door all day long. It's constant disruption. And so, but the other thing is, even though if you're not physically there, it's another practice to emotionally and intellectually disconnect. To yeah. say, okay, I'm putting, you know, it's the same thing, right? You're, when I walk up to that door, I do my best to keep good, bad, or indifferent. That church life, if you will, I got almost got to leave it in the car. Because now I got to put daddy and husband hat on, and I want to be emotionally not just physically there, but there. That's hard, man. I think that's hard for anybody. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But but I think the idea is like you've got a family, and yet the church is also your family. Right. And so you added like another several hundred people. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, depending on the size, and even if it's small, it's just you know because ultimately I think being a priest is extremely relational. You know, Jesus, man, it was all about people. It's just with people, like ultimately with people in all different ways. And so I want, I always want to be available and emotionally present. And yet I need that for myself and I need that for my family. So it's, it's the dude, it's hard. You know, I think I suck at it. I'm trying really <laughs> trying to get better, um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a difficult thing to to balance or keep healthy. Yeah. You know, you also have the stigma walking around with the collar on that people are going to see you, and even if you're not working, if they know you're a priest, that's the only thing that they're going to key on. Dude, that's actually a really. I think you're spot on, and I think you know where does that come from? And I think it comes from in our culture. It's so professionally driven and more about what you do and who you are. Yeah. So, right, come on, in conversation, we do it all the time. What do you do for a living? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that you're going to get there pretty soon after meeting someone. We want to know what what do you do? Yeah. Of, and not to say that that's, to, that's totally disconnected to who you are, but who you are is a lot deeper than just what you do. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So where, where can people find out more about you, about the church? Uh, where can they look you up? Sure. So um, the first place is we do a website, uh, stmichaelschurch.com. On there, you can you can pretty much find out most of, I think it's a good expression of, of who we are as a community. It's going to get updated eventually and stuff like that, but I think that would be kind of the first place. I don't, uh, I don't blog or, or anything of that nature. I don't know if that's in the cards for me. Um, so as far as getting to know me, you'd have to, I guess, kind of be around me. Okay. Or you can give the church a call and have a, have a conversation. We'll get a cup of coffee. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't, I don't, man, I have a Facebook page, man. I don't even Facebook. <laughs> yep. I'm oh. very disconnected. I'm not a Luddite or anything like that. You know, I like tech. Right. You know, I like Netflix. I go on YouTube. I watch weird videos, you know, but I'm kind of out of the social media world. And that's probably something I need to fix. But, uh, but yeah, so stmichaelschurch.com, you can learn everything they're pretty much just to know about us. But if you really want to know, come experience a community with us in St. Michael's because I really believe God's doing something among us that is beautiful and uh, beautiful and messy all at once because we're human beings. All right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure we'll have to get together again and chat about something else. I'm sure there's plenty of other topics we can spend 30 minutes discussing or babbling on about, but, right. uh, but no, this, yeah, but seriously, it's, this has been very insightful for me. These were my questions. It's not like I was, you know, pulled these out of a book. These are things that I personally wanted to know. So I hope other people are interested as right. well. But at the end of the day, ah, I got something out of it. So did you? Okay. okay. Big. Did, I, did I answer your questions? You did. You nailed okay. it every time. So, All right. Sure to appreciate the time. And that's all I got. Absolute pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Another big shout out and thank you to Father Greg for taking the time to do the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It was super fun. I actually had to trim out a whole bunch of stuff where we just got to talking back and forth and realized probably wasn't super interesting to anybody else but us. But it was a really fun conversation and a good interview. So, as he said before, if you'd like to look him up, St. Michael's Episcopal in Orlando, you can Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. Also, if you wouldn't mind, or if you've got the time, if you could log on to iTunes or Spotify or however you listen and leave the show a review, I really would appreciate that. That helps the show quite a bit. Also, my first book is for sale. It's uh, Athleta Christi, Providence Athleta Christi on Amazon. And... You can leave me a review there, too. That would be super helpful. (laughs) But anyhow, I sure do appreciate everybody listening. Got more good shows to come. And I look forward to talking to you again. So take care. Bye. My love for you will make me try forever.